As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, you're listening to me and Paranormal You with your host, Ryan Singer. Because it's more fun to believe. So I am once again talking with April Adams. April, thank you for joining me on the. Uh, Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Uh, glad to, glad to have you back. Um, I know the last time we talked, we had uh, we kind of left it with, oh, maybe we'll we'll do like a relationship um, guide for empaths. Uh, we were kind of joking about that, but um, I'm not so sure. That's what I really want to talk about, like off the top. Although, I mean, we could discuss that because there is an exciting new. I don't know, maybe it was a long time coming for you, but like a kind of a new direction in your work that you've been taking. Yeah, definitely. There's There's been a lot of change. Um, at the time that I was talking to you, I had been working with a marketing coach, and she was kind of teaching me how to be one of those high-end life coaches <laughs> and, you know, how to give yourself a title and how to promote yourself and all of that stuff. And I really got wrapped up in that for a while. And so I was very focused on the whole life coaching aspect of things because I found that when I was doing healing work on people, that if I just did the healing work, that they would just keep coming back with the same problems again and again uh, because I would release the issue, but they'd go home and put it back on again. So what really made a huge difference was what I taught them to use in between sessions in order to heal their lives. And so it became more about life coaching than the healing aspect. But <laughs> as I was doing that, um, I was finding that every time I would do a consultation with somebody, I would be sitting there saying to myself, they can't afford me, they can't afford me, they can't afford me. And I realized I had some money blocks to release. And once I realized that, I was talking to somebody and they said, well, when was the first time that someone couldn't afford you? And I, um, and, and she said, did you, could your parents afford you? And I was bowled over. I was oh, like, wow. oh my gosh, are you <laughs> kidding me right now? So 
I did some processes to kind of release that programming and understanding where it came from and all of that. And it was fantastic. But the moment that, that those programs of lack and programs of fear around money were cleared for me, instead of going out there and charging, you know, the high prices and stuff, it just, it shifted everything. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and your marketing coach was probably like, whoa, 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 yeah. no, this is the opposite of what we want to do here. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, the funny part is that that was, that was happening right at the end of our contract together. So it was time for me to either re-up with her or let go of her. And I let go of everything. <laughs> wow, that's like, very interesting because I, I wonder if you would have come to the, sum, uh, the same conclusion if you hadn't been working with her in the, in the first place, you know, in that particular, what, if there hadn't been an emphasis on it, you know? Sure, yeah. Um, you know, and I feel like sometimes getting pushed into something is certainly a way to make you realize that's not really what you wanted or where you want to come from. Uh, it just, it really opened my eyes. Like I was just like, this high end coaching stuff is crap. <laughs> Who the heck is going to pay thousands of dollars? Uh, you know, it just, it didn't make any sense to mm -hmm. me anymore where up until that point it was like, well, I have to do this and I'm going to make a ton of money and not necessarily that it was all about the money. Um, you know, I think what, what prompted the whole journey for me was that I received a channeled message for myself that I was going to bring through the message that would shift everyone's consciousness for the better. And well, that's not it, like a, uh, that's not a small message to receive. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it was very clear. It was like the, the everyone was all caps. Like it, they were like, not just some people, everyone. So suddenly I'm sitting there going, well, if I'm going to do that, I have to go be Oprah or something. And so to me, the whole high-end coaching thing was sort of a step on the, the ladder of getting to that place of, you know, like getting to be a high-end coach and then having people wanting me to come speak and then speaking at larger venues and getting on national talk shows and getting my own talk show or something of that level, you know. Yeah, a traditional, um, a, a, a traditional idea of, of how that happens. Kind yes. Of. So that's how it all started out. But once I released those money blocks, all that just went away and I realized that if I just do the parts of my job that I love and focus on that, that if that's what's meant to happen, that's just going to happen. I don't have to climb and climb and climb and push and push and push. So <laughs> that has been a huge life changer. And now any kind of promotion I do, it's for fun. It's something I enjoy. It's something I love doing as opposed to all the drudgery of, okay, my coach told me I have to go do this now. And <laughs> yeah, like homework assignments almost. Right. Yes. It is interesting. Like I, I'm, I'm interested to hear more about the money block releasing too, because I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I know myself, I've never been that attached to money necessarily, but I do, I'm sure there's some kind of money blocks I have, uh, just in my life because, you know, I definitely, you know, have the desire for more money, although I'm not, I'm not driven by money, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. But, yeah. but at the same time, I'm like, oh man, I wish I had more money. Sure, uh, exactly. <laughs> so I wonder if there's a, because the, the idea of could your parents afford you, like that question being asked, it's like to me is just like, oh my gosh, because I've always, I've always kind of had a negative reaction towards money. 
like and people with money necessarily it's always been like oh you know it's not good to have money almost because mm, yeah. i don't know because I, I i maybe i felt that way as a kid too because we were i knew we didn't have a lot of money when i was growing when i was when i was a kid now as i became an adult later both of my parents had gone on to become successful but uh i do remember thinking to myself oh wow you know we don't have any money. Like I would never ask for money for anything for like field trips or to participate in sporting events, like extracurricular stuff. Like if it mm-hmm. costs money, I remember one time I was, uh, it was the book club thing where you have to sign up for books and you get to like, it's like a fundraiser for the school. And yeah. I was just pouting just silently, like quiet because it was the last day to turn in your, your, your order form. And I wanted these Garfield comic books and my dad or my mom was like, what's wrong with you? What is going on with you? Like, And I was like, nothing. Like, something is wrong with you, clearly. And I was like, oh, it's the last day to order the books. And I didn't want to ask for money because I, you know. And they're like, why didn't you just ask us? And I was like, oh, because <laughs> we don't have any money. And I'm like, you know, eight years old. Like, how would I even know that? But um. <laughs> Yes, it's it's really interesting how we decide things based on what's going on around us. Even if your parents never said the words, we don't have any money. Just even the energy that they're exchanging about it and their feelings about it are something that we can perceive and kind of pick up and run with. And just watching their patterns as they interact with the world and especially, you know, around money and things like that, we then build our programming and our perception around that too. So most of the time, the beliefs and things that we have aren't even necessarily because of things that have been said to us. Wow. I mean, some of it is, but there's a lot of it that's not. I mean, when you're in your mother's womb, you are picking up on her body chemistry. So if she's got a lot of fear, anxiety, depression, that affects you (laughs) as a fetus, but also energetically, whatever energy and beliefs and programs that she's carrying around, you get affected by that too. Because you're swimming in her soup, you know? Yeah, yeah. And to some extent, the father too. I mean, you're not constantly in his energy field, but it's it's really crazy what we pick up. Yeah, I wonder how many relationships would uh, not have failed if money never existed. (laughs) Right, You know. Uh, friendships or romantic. Uh, I know they've been the end of uh, many relationships for people, but uh, that is interesting to think that you can pick up that. I've never really considered that, and now it's trying to. Now I'm trying to do like a quick uh, examination of my mom uh, and like her views on money and stuff. And it, it it's interesting because my mom will say things to me like when we haven't talked in a little while, she'll be like, "So are you dating a a, a rich actress yet? Like a famous <laughs> rich actress?" And I. I don't think it's because she thinks someone having money is the most important thing for me uh, in my relationship with them mm-hmm. as much as she just probably doesn't want to have to worry about her child's financial stability. So maybe sure. it's like, oh, if you're dating a rich actress, I don't have to worry about you. Um, as opposed, because <laughs> I think she equates money with, you know, security on, you know, pretty much on, on the main level. Absolutely. I, you know, and I think a lot of us do. That's, it, that's kind of how this physical world works. In order to have security and stability, you have to have some cash to keep you afloat. 
<laughs> yeah. But the problem is how we think the cash has to come in. You know, we have a very strict way that we think money has to come to us, like working hard at a job. Uh, you know, for a long time, it was working hard at a job that we hated. You know, that was that's part of the the belief system of a lot of people in this country still. But I think a lot of us are kind of waking up out of that and doing things we love instead. But money doesn't all have to come from work. There's inheritance, inheritances. There's lottery winnings. There's gifts. Uh, <laughs> here's an interesting story. Um, all of that money I spent on that marketing coach and promoting myself and going on all of these trips to network and stuff, it was expensive. And I had to take out a loan to do a lot of it. Well, previous to all of that, I had been in a car accident. And all of the medical stuff had been covered. I was, you know, pretty much back to normal. And the insurance company calls me and says, did you know you qualify for this, I'm not going to say how much, but this huge amount of money um, <laughs> for pain and suffering because of the level of injury that you had? And I was like, no, I didn't. I had no idea that I qualified for that. And all I had to do was sign a couple of papers and they sent me a check. And it covered all of the costs of all of that stuff. <laughs> Interesting. So it, it pretty much put me right back at square one. So I invested all of that money in what I figured was investing in my future. And the, the universe just gave it right back to me when all was said and done. When I got to the end of all of that money block stuff, the insurance company calls and says, okay, here's a check to pay for all of that that you just did. And I didn't have to do a thing. I didn't go looking for it. It just showed up. And I think that's part of the, the switchover that can occur when you start to let go of things like that. When you stop perceiving the way that, or expecting the way money has to come to you, the way anything has to come to you, and just let it come. Yeah, if you're open to it, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, there is something to be said, at least in my life, about initiating initiating movement and it, it, a lot of it stems from this book I read years ago called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield which is wonderful and it's like you know one of the ideas of that book is like it's about breaking through creative you're you're winning your creative battles and like breaking mm -hmm. through blocks so it, I guess it directly ties into what we're talking about but and it's like well once you decide once you start doing something whether it's just sitting down and picking up a pen to write then the universe is like okay okay you're doing it let's uh let's help you out here and like it'll just but it's just the start that is the difficult part for i mm -hmm. think a lot of people and once you do that start then the universe is like okay well you know i'm going to throw my energy behind you now because you're because this is what you're doing yes exactly and you know, it's interesting because I hear a lot, especially being a metaphysical practitioner, um, you hear a lot about the law of attraction and that, you know, all you have to do is envision something to draw it to you. But really, in most people's experiences, you have to take some form of action. And I feel that there's a balance there. You know, yes, please set that intention, ask the universe for what you desire, but then don't just sit there and wait for it to show up start doing the work but here's what I feel is the kicker and the difference between working hard and pushing and striving and just taking action taking inspired action 
if the things you are doing are things that you enjoy and feel passionate about, it's a completely different energy than if you're forcing yourself and pushing yourself to do it and it's something that you hate and feel like is drudgery. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just had to write that down because um, it, it turns out the second, the second half of the word attraction is action. <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, physically, when you write the word down. The, and there is something to be said about that energy. It, I mean, I think everyone can understand exactly what you mean by that. When, you know, when it's the energy that one can put into, like, you know, tending their garden that they're excited about because they got some new flowers they maybe want to plant as opposed to, you know, oh, I have to mow someone's lawn because I need, or just any kind of having that productive positive outlook that spin on that vibe that you have when you're doing something that is exciting and fun for you something you look forward to as opposed to that you're dreading there is yeah. a definite there's a definite change in in the way you're operating yeah it it brings a whole new energy to what you're doing and creates a whole new energy around what that creates man i wonder if uh like so how long ago was the the end of the marketing coach, when did that happen? Like it was after we had spoken for the first time. Yes. Right? Um, it was, I think around June. Yeah. Yep. It was in June. Okay. So this it, is all kind of like a relatively, this is pretty fresh what's happening. It is. I feel like things are moving at the speed of light because things have been changing so fast back to back. Um, I was just telling somebody yesterday that the book that I released in Ju in January of this year feels like I wrote it light years ago. And what I do now is entirely different than the modality and things that I taught <laughs> in the book that I just released in January. So for all of us, things are moving faster and faster. And just there's so much information and energy and, and stuff coming at us all the time. I think we're learning to acclimate to it differently. Hmm. Is, is, when you say the book, how different you are from the, when the book came out. Now, mm -hmm. is it, now, is the heart of the book and uh, most of the book for you still something that rings true? Absolutely. It's just, I think things have evolved more from it. So it's still the underlying basis for what I do. But it feels like kindergarten. And now what I'm doing is maybe like seventh grade. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so you, you transition away from the marketing coach. You decide not to renew the contract. The insurance company comes in with this surprise kind of gifting of the money that you weren't expecting. So we'll call it a gifting, I guess, um, mm -hmm. that covers uh, that covers your expenses. You're back to square one. What happens next for you? As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So honestly, for most of the summer, I've just been taking it easy and having fun. And some of that money helped support me through the summer when I wasn't super busy the first half of the summer. It was almost as though I was being given a little mini vacation. And of course, it scared me a little bit business-wise because you want to be busy, you want to have success. But then also, I live in New Hampshire and there's only like five months of the year where it's nice to go outside here. <laughs> and so for me, I'm going to take advantage of every second that it's beautiful outside and I'm going to go outside. So this summer, essentially, I've been either with clients or I've been outside enjoying time with my family. And I'm married to a teacher, so it's fantastic because we get this whole summer of awesomeness. Uh, but I will tell you that People have been contacting me out of the blue, left and right, since I made that shift. There were, there were a couple of shifts that all happened right around the same time. So, I mean, it was like the ending of the time with the marketing coach, uh, the release of the money blocks, but then also sort of an understanding that even though I was meant to bring a message to the masses, that it didn't have to be directly from my mouth to their ears. I could be talking to you, I could be talking to a client, and they could tell it to somebody, and that's how it could get to the masses. So essentially, <laughs> the message to me then was, we want to take the pressure off of you. What if we tell you that it doesn't have to come directly from you? It still could. We're also not taking that dream away from you. If that's something you'd enjoy, that might happen. But we don't want the pressure on you of, you have to get to a certain level in order for everybody to hear this message, because it will get to them if it's meant to. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool because it also it also just from an outsider's perspective, it seems like a more I don't want to say a more genuine message because that's not what I mean. But it it seems like the message could be less, I, I don't know, clouded maybe by, oh, I'm the one who's supposed to be doing this. Like, exactly. you know, it takes it kind of removes the ego from it a little bit. Um, if that's the right way to say it. And therefore it becomes like, oh, now this will be much easier to disseminate probably because, because I'm removing that block of it, that it has to be me as the conduit here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That all together, all of those pieces really just helped me to kind of step back and just surrender. And now that I'm able to just kind of do things as I enjoy them, rather than out of this sense of I have to get to this place of everybody knowing who I am, 
I'm able to play a whole lot more and I'm able to just step back and really develop my craft and continue working on myself and discovering new things and new ways of healing and new ways of seeing the world and then attracting to me the people who need to learn those things too. And it just happens naturally now as opposed to me forcing it to happen. And I've just found like there's been a huge following of me on Facebook. Like I've gained, I don't know, 700 new Facebook friends over the summer. Oh, wow. (laughs) So something has shifted for sure. And I feel like people have just been contacting me out of the blue. And that wasn't really happening when I was doing the whole marketing coach thing. Yeah, it seems uh, it seems less constricted when it's yeah. not um, when it's not as planned uh, or calculated, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. Even because when I think of marketing, I think of you know precise calculation and oh, you have to do this, you have to do this. Let's examine the numbers on an hourly basis to see how they're uh, this different. Uh, this different approach is affecting the numbers and it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. Let's, this isn't, I I didn't want to, when I was a little kid, I didn't want to be examining numbers. Right. Uh, that wasn't what, you know, inspires me. Uh, the idea of surrender though, and then, you know, releasing and then healing, I think is something that sounds very appealing to many people, including myself, Mm -hmm. but it's also a, a scary idea to surrender. And, I just wrote down personal goals for the first time. I think within the last week, I uh, I met this woman and we were having coffee and she's like, well, do you, have you ever written down your personal goals? And I was just like, wow, that's, uh, that's interesting. No one's, I don't know if anyone's really asked me that or if they have, I've never been listening. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, like, what do you mean? Why would I do that? <laughs> that was my first thought. Like <laughs> who's got time for a personal life? I, I want, there's so many things I want to do and accomplish. Uh, who's got time to be a person, uh, mm-hmm. you know, romantically or otherwise. And so it's like, Oh, so I was like, I need to do that. So I wrote down some personal goals and I taped them right on the, right on the wall, right on my desk at like eye level. So I see them every time I sit down and, but you know, I think surrendering is a common theme here, at least in my personal goals. Um, if someone needs to move down the path towards being able to be comfortable surrendering, I'm not saying full surrender here, but to just be open to the idea of surrendering, like, is there something you could suggest or recommend to that person? Um, and specifically me, <laughs> <laughs> I have this friend, right? Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know this guy. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I've been in that place myself and for a very long time have always been pretty controlling with a lot of things. So I've come from that place and what really changed things for me was the desire to stop making myself miserable. And that's been a step-by-step process essentially. And so, you know, it started with me whenever I struggled with something, finding a book that specifically addressed that issue and my relationship with it. And when I knew, you know, the way that I knew that the books were appropriate for me is that, first of all, I'd get sucked right into them. I would feel like they were love letters to me. Like, dear April, here's how you've been looking at life. Here's a different way you could look at life. (laughs) 
here are the results you have been getting by looking at life the way you do, and here are the results you could be getting by shifting to this. And so it became a conscious shift in perception and expectation and behaviors, first of all, you know, just to just kind of hitting the surface. So doing the conscious mind first and the way that you on a day-to-day basis look at life. But once you get to a pretty aware and awakened place consciously, you start to notice that still in the back of your mind, there are parts of you that try to negate a lot of especially um, metaphysical stuff and, and all of that, in part because our culture has poo-pooed anything metaphysical for centuries. Um, so we have all of these programs in our subconscious mind that none of this stuff can work, that the world only works the way that we always thought it had. And so you then have to kind of get to the place of working on the subconscious mind. And there's a lot of different ways that you can get at that. And essentially what you want to do is to be able to sort of sneak in to the subconscious mind. And I teach um, specific ways to get into the theta brainwave state to do self-hypnosis. But I've also find, found that tapping works really well. I don't know. Are you familiar with EFT? Is that... Um, oh, gosh. I'm trying to think of what it stands for. I don't know what it... I, I can't uh, think it of it. Stan- it stands for emotional freedom technique. Oh, no. I'm not, I'm not familiar with that. Okay. So it's basically tapping on different pressure points. It's using the same principle as acupuncture, shiatsu, reflexology, all of those therapies where they're taking pressure points on the body and tapping on those. So it activates the energy body, but it also accesses your subconscious mind. So if you are tapping on these pressure points, it's activating those energy meridians and opening up your subconscious mind for reprogramming. So while you're tapping on these points, you're saying something to yourself. And what I did most recently was I found that I had a knot in my stomach most of the time, uh, especially since my car accident. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, originally I had a knot in my stomach because of my anxiety issues and the way I was looking at life. I got to a really good place where I didn't have that knot in my stomach anymore. And then I got in the car accident. And that car accident sort of dug up the rest of the stuff that was in my subconscious telling me I wasn't safe. So after a few months of struggling with the knot in my stomach, I finally realized that it was, you know, my my safety and security issues coming up again. So I started doing tapping on myself saying, I am safe. I am safe. I am safe. You know, as I pressed on each pressure point. And I did it for about 10 minutes one morning after my chiropractic appointment. And by that afternoon, my knot in my stomach was gone. And it's pretty much been gone since then, you know, but I mean, except for the occasion where I'm picking up on somebody else's knot on their stomach or something is actually occurring in which, you know, that response gets triggered. But it's not just there for the sake of being there anymore. And that's because I accessed the subconscious mind through those series of pressure points and those words. There's hypnosis, there's EFT, there is self-hypnosis and meditation and just 
there's a lot of different ways. Lots of tools can, in the toolbox here that yes, you can access. Yes. The it is interest. It's funny because I'm now realizing, after you described EFT, years ago, a friend of mine must have been in EFT uh, therapy or being mm-hmm. taught that because uh, we were getting ready to go to I forget where we were going. We were trying to sell a cartoon show together, and we were getting ready to go to a pitch meeting and we were hanging out at my apartment, kind of going over the pitch. Like once we're in the room, how are we going to sell this cartoon show? Um, you know, how we're going to be entertaining. And he was tapping. He told me, oh gosh, I couldn't remember what it was called and, until once you started describing it, I was like, oh my gosh, that's what, that's what he was doing. Cause he was, <laughs> there was this part, like it's almost in between his eyebrows on his forehead. Yep. Um, and he was just tapping he was just gently tapping that part and saying something uh, like oh, repeating something over and over again before. Mm-hmm. And then because I actually remember doing it now and he, I was like, oh, what is that? And he's like, oh, this thing, it's great. You know, it really helps me relax and, you know, gets me in the right frame of mind for things. So we were just sitting in my living room uh, <laughs> before we were trying to sell a cartoon show about these snack <laughs> foods. Uh, uh, who live together in this world where, you know, cookies and stuff talk to each other. And we're just sitting in my living room just tapping like, we are entertaining, we are fine, we are confident, we are calm. We don't need to sell this. (laughs) Oh, gosh. That's a great memory that I totally forgot. It's actually pretty astounding what tapping can do. And I think I originally got turned off to it when I heard about it the first time because I got this book that was telling you that you needed to do like an hour of tapping every morning on all of these different things. And I was just like, I don't have time to tap for an hour every day. Uh, but if you just use it for specific situations, it's really incredible. Like there's these spots over your ears that you can tap and there's one side of your brain that processes logically and another side that processes creatively. And so you tell one side, I won't forget my keys tomorrow. And the other one, you'll say, I'll remember my keys tomorrow. And you just tap above each of the sides of your head, the ears, um, five times across the top of the ear area. And uh, you remember, like, whatever it is that you don't want to forget. <laughs> uh, so I've been using that one for quite some time. And also, there's a spot uh, in front of your heart where your thymus gland is. And if you tap on that 18 times, it's supposed to boost your immune system. So if you feel like you're coming down with something, it's a good place to tap a few times. And then all food booster. So it helps to release like endorphins and stuff. Um, so those are some tapping things I've been doing for quite some time. But it was around the time where I was trying to release the money blocks that I went to this success event where they were teaching you specifically how to use tapping to release your money blocks, uh, when I finally realized what an impact that could have. Um, Previously, any time I wanted to release something subconsciously, I was creating a hypnosis recording for myself to listen to at night while I was sleeping. And I actually teach people how to do that in that book. But... It's basically all about getting back into the theta brainwave state. And the theta state is basically the state you're in for hypnosis. And when you're a small child, you're in theta a lot. You know how when you're a kid, you daydream all the time? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's theta. 
And so <laughs> you're kind of in and out of that state through most of your childhood until you're about seven or eight years old and they train you out of it. So everything that you pick up on during that time frame is getting programmed into you as though you're getting hypnotized with it. So as you can imagine, that's why we're all so screwed up because our, <laughs> our ancestors and church and society and TV and all that kind of taught us all this crap that we've got going on underneath. Uh, so regardless of how conscious we become consciously, our subconscious still believes all of that ridiculous stuff that we learned when we were three or five, whatever, which may not even be the actual truth. It was just what we thought was the truth at the time because we didn't know any better. Yeah, I mean, and, and who can blame a, a child for believing what they're taught, <laughs> you know? Right. I mean, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, you just, you're in a position where, okay, this is what I'm taught, this must be true. And for that matter, who can blame the parents? Because that's what they were taught. I mean, it's just <laughs> this whole loop of, it. we were taught this system of things and the system of beliefs from, you know, each previous generation. And there's nobody to blame. It's just the way it is, but it's now about recognizing that you've got a lot of faulty programming going on underneath the surface, and it's time to do whatever it takes to get in there and pull all of that out <laughs> so that you can move on and have a happy, healthy life and not have your subconscious mind blocking you from doing all of the things that you want to be doing. I mean, essentially, all your subconscious mind is trying to do is keep you safe. Because it's been trained that all of these things are going to be, bring you danger. And so you just have to convince your subconscious that the things you're going to do are safe so that it's not keeping you back. Yeah, and there's a freedom there. Definitely. Uh, and once, I, I think, once the, the freedom aspect is really locked in, then the, the possibilities can become endless at that point. Yeah. It's what, pretty ridiculous how endless that. <laughs> yeah. What's the, uh, so on this journey that you're currently on, you've kind of, uh, you've kind of transitioned from, although more and more people are reaching out to you, but you, your, your focus, I don't know if you want to call it that, has kind of shifted along with, uh, you know, a lot of other things. Yeah. So when I last spoke to you, I was calling myself an emotional fulfillment specialist. And to some extent, I still do that with the people I work with. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But it's not really 
my primary focus. Um, when I started getting people signing up for sessions and programs and packages with me, I was noticing that all of the people who were saying yes to me were my fellow healers and nurturers and life coaches and <laughs> psychics and people like that, and that nobody else but those people were saying yes to me. And then I looked at the clientele I had already built previous to that, and it was the same thing. They were all healers, nurturers, light workers, psychics, and very rarely had anyone who fell outside of that realm uh, continued to come see me or really done the work. So that shifted me from focusing on just the life coaching piece into recognizing the ability that I have to boost other people's abilities as well as helping people to get blocks out of the way so that they can be the best healer or coach or psychic that they want to be. And that's been the major shift that's been happening over the last five months or so, I'd say, uh, finally realizing <laughs> who my people were, who I was supposed to be focusing on. Yeah. And once again, it all comes back to empaths. Most of those people are empathic to some degree. And I, I think to some extent that's because I'm an empath and I'm a healer and intuitive and nurturer and, and all of that. So you attract people to you who are similar. But because I've done that work on myself, I can help to guide those people better and to know what I'm working with and what they may have going on underneath the surface that I wouldn't understand about other people. There is an interesting idea here that I think a lot of, uh, you know, people like myself who I don't consider myself to be a healer, uh, you know, like who heals the healer? I mean, because people forget, I think it's easy for somebody like me to forget like, oh, just because a person has this ability or, you know, they're tapped into this thing, it doesn't mean they're not still a person. Uh, you know, they still have a life that they're living. They still have relationships. They still have troubles and problems. They also need to be rejuvenated, uh, restored, replenished, you know, healed themselves. Like who heals the healers, I guess. And I guess your new website is called, is it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's the thehealerofhealers.com? Yes. Okay, yes. yeah. And, and it's an interesting concept because I never considered it really. Like, oh, yeah, you know, who, who do these people go to when, when they need something? Exactly. And, I mean, that was part of it for me too. I did a huge part of my journey on my own, uh, in, in part because I didn't know a lot of people who did this kind of work when I initially did it. Uh, but I also needed to get a lot of the stuff in my own brain straight before I started, um, letting other people work on me. So <laughs> I did a lot of reading, a lot of practicing on myself first, but then it kind of got to the point where I was getting the message over and over again that you can't do this on a, in a vacuum, that when you're always giving to other people, you need help replenishing yourself. And you also need guidance that it's hard for you to get for yourself. 
You know, I can sit here and bring messages for other people really clearly all day. But when it comes to getting a message for myself, there's always that question of, am I telling myself what I want to hear? Or is this an authentic message coming through? Sure. Yeah, that's got to be very difficult to, uh, you know, have to do that on a consistent basis. Do you have someone that you go to regularly? I have a circle of friends that I tend to sort of reach out to depending on what the subject matter is or what the issue is. So I've got some friends who do healing work and I'll, you know, call them up when I need some work done. Uh, and I've got a few intuitive friends that if I feel like I need some information, <laughs> I'll be like, uh, you know, what are you getting on this? So it's great to have that kind of support system. And I will often do trades with people um, that are at the same level that I'm in, maybe with different specialties and oh, that we sounds support awesome. each other. Yeah. That sounds really cool to me. Like, uh, yeah, I know, uh, comedians and, you know, filmmakers and people like that will do each other favors. Uh, you know, all you do my show, I'll do your show, or you help me out with this video project, help me edit this thing and I'll, you know, help you write something else. But, uh, there's something really cool about the idea of like, oh, okay, you give me some intuitive help here and then I'll help, you know, replenish your energy. Because you talk about something that I think is very important and that's the idea of trying to avoid being sucked into resentment. Oh, And yeah. that, that's like the, I forget what video it was, but um, it was, there, there was this like, uh, you know, social scientist, uh, and he was doing a study about why relationships fail. And he was just asking very basic questions. And there was this one physical trait that when the man or the woman or whoever would do, it was a physical sign of resentment. And mm. it was in, in all of the videos, because they would videotape the sessions of these, as, just asking kind of questions about the relationship in, in a very general way maybe leading to more specific things. I wish I could remember the name of the study, but, um, mm -hmm. and this one physical trait, uh, whether it was a certain like rolling of the eyes in a kind of way and like response to something someone said, it mm -hmm. was a, it was a signifier of resentment and none of those relationships lasted, uh, when they do the, like when they go back and do the follow-ups, um, even if the person didn't realize it, um, it was a physical sign like, oh, maybe they're, they're not admitting it to themselves yet, but they, they are resenting this other person, their relation. And, and that was the death blow. Uh, the yeah. one, that's the one thing they, they listed as the death blow to any relationship is when resentment begins. And if you don't, I don't know, I don't know the way to, but you talk about how trying to avoid getting there even or addressing it and moving away from it. Yeah. Well, I certainly have had levels of resentment in my relationships um, in the past. And a huge part of that was my own perception. You know, in this culture, we kind of expect our romantic partner to be the end-all, be-all of everything and supply us with all of our needs and to sort of fulfill us. And what I specifically had to learn, I mean, my whole journey and what led me to doing this in the first place was that aspect of things and expecting my romantic life to look a certain way and my romantic partner to do everything for me, to make me happy. But I find that when there's resentment, 
it comes from a place of expecting someone else to do everything for you rather than being willing to do it for yourself. And they might not even be aware that you're expecting that from them. Right. So why would they know? I think you just pretty much nailed while I've been single for the last four years. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like the idea of expecting people to fulfill these certain requirements, uh, like in my mind, like I think there's a very fine line between uh, when people ask me the question of, hey, what are you looking for in a woman? And and they might as well just be asking what are all the things you expect this person to do for you? <laughs> mm-hmm. Right, right. Like, what's the difference there, really? Oh, my gosh. And what really shifts when you get to a place where you're giving yourself all of that, like all of the emotional fulfillment, all of the ego padding, <laughs> all of that that we think is supposed to come from another person, if we can either do that for ourselves or recognize that we don't need it, then our romantic relationships just become this great way to share gifts that we have and to receive gifts back, but without expectation. Oh, geez. Uh, the, the ego padding thing for me is, it's probably at the top of the list. Uh, it was for me too. Yeah. I mean, there's, I used to tell people, this is embarrassing, but I used to tell people like, and when I say used to, I mean, probably as of a week ago, um, (laughs) people like a friend of mine would be like, Oh, what, you know, so what, so what's going on? You know, and I'll be like, Oh, I just need a woman who no pressure, but I need a woman who thinks like, I want a woman to believe I'm a genius, like who I'm with. Uh, it doesn't mean I, I am a genius, but I want, hurt to believe it. so it's like mm-hmm. I, I don't know if you can get any higher than that on the ego padding uh <laughs> tree like that's the top of the tree there uh gee i mean how can someone live up to that and and not yeah. to mention like oh maybe they say oh i think you're a genius and then four days go by and they haven't said that to me then then i'm like well what happened do you do you think i lost it did i lose it what happened <laughs> am i no longer good it's like oh. dude like three days ago I told you how how great I thought you were at this thing. Uh, oh, my gosh. But I guess if we can tell that to ourselves, which we don't even really need to do is what you're saying, because mm-hmm. it's not important, because truly it's not important. Uh, and I do intellectually, I know that. Um, you know, well, you know, I mean, what's important is for you to consciously and unconsciously believe that you are brilliant, that you are that genius that you want other people to think you are. And when you get to the place where you've convinced yourself of that, you don't need anyone else to tell you it. You just get it. You understand. And you live from that place of confidence. And it doesn't have to be that level of conceit. You know, it doesn't mean you're conceited. You're not going to go around telling everybody, hey, I'm a genius, or acting like you're better than everybody else. It's just a matter of having that level of assurance. You know you have that quality, and you don't need anybody else to convince you of it. And I think most of us are kind of trained that it's not okay to give ourselves that, and that we're supposed to wait for somebody else to give us the compliment or to teach us that we're good or <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. And really where that needs to come from in order for it to be lasting and whole and complete is from inside ourselves. I do believe that everyone, and I, 
I'm not just saying this to try to like cover my tracks here. Uh, I do believe that everyone is. I I've said ever since I was a little kid, I was like, I think probably everybody's a genius at something. Uh, not everybody mm-hmm. is lucky enough or fortunate enough to allow themselves to discover it or be open to the idea of it even. Um, that doesn't mean, and I also think genius might get thrown around a lot uh, mm-hmm. anymore the last 10, 15 years or whatever. But right. but at the same time, I don't think genius has to be such an exclusive club because, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we all have, you know, pieces of star, you know, the, the element of stars inside of us. I mean, like quite literally. So, mm-hmm. so why wouldn't all of us, you know, examined under that kind of scope, like realize just how genius we all are just from being here. The idea that we're even here still uh, mm-hmm. to me is, is, is the act of a genius. Yep. But. And th- to get into the fine line arguments of like, well, specifically at needlepoint, this person is a genius or at, you know, uh, you know, at graphite pencil sketching, this person is a genius. It's like, OK, we don't we don't need to debate the, the finer points of of the intricacies of genius and the subdivisions. But it is interesting to think that when we move away from fulfilling need, the need for someone else to fulfill us uh, or at least the idea of this person we're supposed to be in our mind mm-hmm. that we can move away from that resentment aspect because, because I, I would probably argue, I mean, I would guess that the majority of resentment stems from a person's partner, not realizing what they were even expecting of them, like a breakdown in communication. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, most of the time the primary issue is a difference in love languages there's a book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman that talks about that dynamic in particular, that we all have a different way of expressing love. And so if yours is physical touch and the person that you're with is verbal communication and you're not getting enough touch and they're not getting enough words, you're screwed until you recognize it and you know <laughs> be able to recognize that the other person is speaking their love language to you so it doesn't represent a... a lack of love, it represents that they're speaking Spanish and you're speaking Japanese. So, (laughs) you know, there's, there's that in particular, which creates a lot of issues just because everybody has different ways to express their love and different needs and expectations. But, you know, my story is particularly, um, telling of how we expect other people in our relationships to sort of define us and prove something to us. Uh, always in my romantic life, that has been the primary aspect of my life that has mattered to me until I got into metaphysical stuff. (laughs) And it's what made me get into metaphysical stuff in the first place. But I've always been dissatisfied in my romantic relationships, except in that first year or so of the relationship when things are all crazy and hot and heavy and amazing and new and fresh Um, but as soon as that fades away, it was always the other person in my relationships that would end that phase first. And to me, I wanted the rest of my life to look like that. I wanted that amazing passion and desire and intensity to just last forever. (laughs) So I'd be standing there going, where'd it go? 
what just happened? I signed up for this passion over here and you're sitting over there doing nothing. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be the grand finale the whole time. Why aren't you sexy and desirable? Why aren't you proving it to me every day? You know? Yeah. But it was very much about, I mean, it, there were so many layers to why I was that way. But, you know, a big piece of it was wanting my ego stroked. I needed somebody to prove to me that I was desirable and I was wanted. Hmm. So until I believed that at a core level, I was always looking to somebody else to show that to me. Yeah, there's a, uh, gosh, I mean, to be aware, to remain aware, I should say, and stay in like, and actually have a consistency in that awareness of, especially when it comes to physical desire and all that kind of stuff. It's like, it's so, I mean, we all know it intellectually looks fade away. Everyone gets Mm -hmm. older and our physical bodies will die. And yet so many of us, myself included, get so wrapped up in that, that aspect in that first, like, like you were saying, like that first, that hot and heavy phase where it's like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like when I go see fireworks, I just want to see the grand finale the whole time. I don't want to see a boo, boo, you know, a firework here, <laughs> a firework there. No, give me the constant crazy. I can't even I can't even tell what's going on necessarily. Like it's almost chaos. Uh, and I, there's no way for me to even process it all. Like too much of a good thing is bad, they say. But uh, I don't know. I, you know, when it comes to <laughs> <I'm with you. laughs> when it comes to my relationships, it's like no, too much of a good thing is is exactly, <laughs> you know. But um, it is it is hard to keep that in mind sometimes. But I think if you, I don't know. I guess if you can, like you said, you can do this work and you can get to a place where you realize. You know, because I've been in, it's not like I've never had a relationship last longer than four months, but um, I've had Mm -hmm. a few, I've had a couple where they transition into that phase of, you know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a steam bath, sauna, uh, sex life, you know, two years Mm -hmm. in. Yep. And that's okay because there's other things there that hopefully you've been able to transition into. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It's just... And, you know, the, the other piece of that, too, is that when you get past it being about, oh, this person is so visually hot and sexy or I'm so hormonally hot for this person, and you really get to know somebody, and you get to a place of wanting to open to them soul to soul, And to be able to make love to somebody, like looking into their eyes, looking into their soul, and really opening yourself and being vulnerable, it takes things to a whole new level. And so it is possible to have a beautiful, hot sex life that really honestly has nothing to do with how physically attractive the other person is and has everything to do with how much the two of you can open to each other. So there's a new level of intimacy and maturity that can be reached, especially when you're with somebody that you can trust, but you both have to be in a really good, stable place for yourselves in order to feel secure enough to open in that way to somebody else. Wow, I used to tell people that, like, I know I'm in love with a woman when I feel like my immune system has accepted her as part of my body. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But maybe I need to transition that 
into I know that I'm truly in love with another person when when my aura has accepted them as part of as part of the collective unconsciousness that we all are <laughs> like that mm-hmm. you know when I t- totally understand the interconnectedness um, as opposed to it just being relegated to a physical realm uh, of the way gosh I'm, I'm learning a lot here today um, so like there is there is there I guess what I'm trying to ask is so there are ways in a metaphysical world to really break through these blocks is what you're saying. Yeah. At, at least in my experience, there are the, I feel that the only thing blocking people from that is their willingness or unwillingness to do the work to get there. You know, I have plenty of people who are like, I'm miserable. I want to stop being miserable. But when it comes down to, okay, well, you need to read these books, do these practices, you know, follow this, they don't follow through. But I do find that the people who are willing to do the work and follow through and really do it have such amazing results and such amazing shifts in their life that it's well worth it. And honestly, the work that you need to do personally and the books you need to read personally are the ones that are going to speak to you anyway. And you're going to feel sucked into the process. It's just that I think we have this tendency to think, oh, I've been assigned this book to read or I've been assigned this practice to go do. And we put it off because it feels like work. But if you really just, you know, take it in and do it, you end up really getting pulled into the th- the pieces that matter for you. And then it makes the huge difference. But there's a lot of people who just aren't willing to do the work. And it's honestly, that's their choice. That's, you know, we all have our own journey, our own decisions and choices to make. And it's a choice just like anything else to remain in the struggle. Yeah. And I guess that's not to say that the uh, forces of resistance are, are not strong that they've just kind of given up the battle to, to, uh, t- to keep us in that, uh, you know, in that state of darkness, if you want to call it that, or just unknowing, because I mean, the, the forces are, are, they remain and they're going to continue to remain. Um, mm-hmm. so the question is, you know, someone might be asking, well, I just don't have the time to do this. Well, I guess that is, that would require a perspective shift to understand, uh, exactly where that time has to come from to, to be able to make that change. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've actually, um, talked about this with people a lot. You know, there are people who don't like to read or people who don't have time to read, or if they sit down to read a book, they fall asleep. So there's all of these fantastic, you know, other ways you can get books, you know, you could do audio books and things like that, and maybe listen to it on your commute to work or, <laughs> while you're doing the dishes or you know it's it's about fitting it in wherever you can and once you realize what a difference it starts to make for you you want to make it part of your life it becomes the most positive part of your day to do what it takes to shift your perception and your energy and and all of that um the other piece of all of this and you know every time we come to like the end of a statement I think to mention this and we get off on another <laughs> subject but the the work that I've been doing since I wrote the book 
has been, you know, I've continued to do a level of spiritual energy healing. That has continued, but it's evolved even more to where I'm doing a level of hypnosis with people on the table. And I call these sessions journeys. And essentially I'm sorry, can you say again what you call them? Healing journeys. Healing journeys. Okay, I, I think yes. my, uh, I, there might have been a blip in the internet there, so I just wanted sure. to make sure I heard it. Yeah. And basically what this is, is we go into a hypnotic, energetic, safe space together. And we specifically explore areas in their body where they're holding traumas and programs and issues. We um, will sort of astral travel to specific moments in their lives that have traumatized them or relationships that they've had or um, situations that they've been a part of that have created programs within their subconscious mind or traumatic holding on within their systems and we specifically go in and I'm channeling I'm channeling divine beings like their guides their angels kind of telling me what that person needs to do or say or let go of within the spans of that moment in order for that moment to sort of unravel so that they can let go of that trauma so that they can let go of those programs and move forward with their lives now I feel like what really has made the change is that it's interactive. And now the person is doing the healing for themselves, and I'm just guiding them. And really, it's almost like I'm just holding space and narrating. And it's them doing the work. And that's what makes it most powerful. But most of us aren't just going to sit down ourselves alone and do that work. So it helps to have that guide and that narrator Um, because, you know, I know that I very rarely will sit down and do a healing journey for myself, but I see what it does for other people. I just know when I sit down to do it for myself, my mind's going to wander to this thing and that thing. And (laughs) yeah, I think some people might be listening to this and being like, well, where would I even begin to do? How how would I even begin to do that? Uh, But yeah, the, the idea that having ownership and interaction in it in the actual healing, feeling like there is, I don't know, it feels an empower, there's an empowerment there as opposed mm-hmm. to a, oh, I have to, I, I have no access to this without this person. Um, now it becomes a thing where we're doing this together. This is with inside of me. They're helping me do this as right. opposed to this person is doing this to me. Yeah. And I find that, you know, when I used to do healing work on people and I would pull things out of them or whatever, it would work on them energetically, but it wasn't working psychologically, wasn't working emotionally. Um, it wasn't hitting all the levels. It was only working on the energy. So this in particular, because they are a part of it and they're aware of every single thing that's occurring throughout the whole thing, consciously they're aware of what's getting healed. It's working energetically, it's working emotionally, it's working physically. So it's hitting all the bases, and I'm finding that people after their sessions are coming back to me going, oh my gosh, (laughs) this really works. This has been helping me incredibly. You know, let's work on this issue now. Let's work on this issue now. Uh, it's, It's been amazing. 
That does sound amazing. The idea of having divine beings that are being channeled help work through issues or the you know the programming that needs to be deprogrammed or pulled out or whatever. It sounds sounds incredible. Um, I I got to get to New Hampshire. <laughs> well, I do it over the phone. We oh. could do a session over the phone. Oh, we should. <laughs> you know what? That would be. Uh, you know that would probably be very beneficial for me because um, I I am very interested in. You know, the idea, I mean, quite frankly, the idea of healing is really awesome. But mm-hmm. also the idea of communicating with divine beings is probably equally as awesome to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like in my mind, like they, they're, they're on par with one another. The idea yeah. of, you know, channeling divine beings, astral traveling uh, through hypnosis, um, all of this stuff is, uh, is really exciting. And, uh, and if people want to know more about it, I think uh, a great place to go would be thehealerofhealers.com, right? Yes. Okay, cool. Because yep. I know we are, we're probably running up against, uh, you know, the end of our, of this, uh, of this talk. Mm-hmm. We're gonna have to do another one because I would like to spend, and I know I said at the beginning that I wanted to get into it and we still didn't, but the, uh, I want to like specifically get into more stuff about the actual act of channeling. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, that would be great for another conversation um, uh, here in the future we'll just have to do another one uh, oh shame for shame we'll have, yeah. to, we'll have to talk again unfortunately and I'll have to have a couple another uh, breakthroughs while we're talking and uh, you know <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, I'm just going to throw this out there and it's up to you um, I'd love to do a session with you you know off the air privately whatever but I heard your DMT episode and if you ever wanted to, we could do a, a session on the show. And, uh, you know, if, if you felt comfortable you know, you know, delving part of into me, your subconscious uh, in public. Wow. That, uh, <laughs> that sounds very exciting. And, you know, part of me is like, oh, my gosh. But then another part of me is like, oh, you just admitted earlier how um, the most important thing you were looking for in a woman was that she thought you were a genius. I, I, I can't be more open than that about something that's embarrassing. <laughs> Um, when it comes well, to like ego. So I, I think that is a great idea, actually. Here's what I would suggest. We could record it. And if you felt like you could put it out there, you could put it out there. And if you didn't feel comfortable with it, you could keep it to yourself. Yeah, I know that if I, I, I will tell you that if I recorded it, I would definitely put it out. Um, <laughs> I guess there is, there's, there are benefits to being, uh, you know, shameless, I guess. Although I'm saying that to be funny, but I do think it would be interesting for people to hear. I know I'd probably be interested to hear it after we recorded it as well. So uh, let's plan on doing that. Sounds great. Awesome. Okay. Th- um, yeah, well, we'll talk off air, off the mics about setting that up here and hopefully the near future. But uh, April Adams uh, is who I've been talking to. This is uh, your second time. Uh, thanks again for coming back on and you know so now there'll be there'll be at least a couple more it sounds like I would love that uh, hopefully in the future so um, if you want to reach April go to thehealerofhealers.com I believe there's a contact uh, area on the website if I'm not mistaken and there's yep. a, a way to I believe if all they have to do is uh, it looks like a mailing list sign up for a free mp3 of a uh, like a gu- not a guided meditation or it's yeah, it's it's a guided meditation okay, on yeah. stepping into your power. Um, and I also send out weekly emails on sort of perception shifting and things like that. But 
primarily it brings you to my scheduling page where you can schedule a consultation with me uh, so that we could talk about whether I'd be able to help you or not and um, possibly even have time to do a partial session so that you could try it out for yourself. So. Okay, awesome. Awesome. So yeah, check out uh, thehealerofhealers.com if you want to do that. Uh, thanks again, April, and uh, we'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Thank you. This experience was mixed by Alex Stein. Check out his podcast at thealexsteinpodcast.com. Thank you for listening to another experience of Me and Paranormal You. This is Ryan Singer. That was a, an interview with April Adams, who that was her second time on the program. And uh, I really enjoy talking with her. I always feel better about myself somehow afterwards, as uh, you probably already knew that because I said it. Um, anyway, I'm looking forward to a third interview with her where I think we are going to do the healing session. So once I find the equipment that makes that possible, we're going to make that happen. It's going to be fun, fun, fun. I'm looking forward to talking to this or having her talk to the sacred elders uh, with getting in touch with my sacred elders or the ones who are uh, associated with me or floating around. I don't know how it works exactly, but we're going to figure all that out. Hopefully very soon. Me and ParanormalU.com. That's the website. RyanSingerComedy.com. That's my website with stand-up comedy and everything else related. A new album coming out in October. I'm very excited about that. The artwork has been finalized. Ooh, baby. Is it fun and exciting? Speaking of artwork, I believe, as of the uh, recording of this, that the Me and Paranormal You gift shop merchandise is going to be, like any second now, available for you to purchase all kinds of things. When I say all kinds of things, probably things you didn't even expect or never even imagined would be available. I'm very excited about that. That's going to be any second now. Those are going to be available. Uh, there will be, of course, an announcement. I'll be announcing that on the uh, website and Facebook and all that kind of stuff. Me, Paranormal You is the Twitter handle. Uh, I'm on Facebook there. There's a Me and Paranormal You page on Facebook, of course. And what else is there? Um, 818-839-0593. That's the mine line. Um, yeah, I've been doing a lot of interviews. I'm a little behind on contacting people. And I know it. And I'm getting there. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, anyway, recorded another live one last night. Had a great time with Karen Rontowski. Um I guess that will be up in the future sometime. You know, I, I haven't exactly figured out what to do with it. Probably just release it normally. That's probably what we'll do. So thank you for listening. I appreciate it. Please go to iTunes. Uh, you know, do do me a favor and write a review if you like the Mindcast. That really helps raise the awareness. I know I say this over and over again, but it's true. Um, you know, get us in there. Get us uh, recognized and noticed. And, uh, you know, and then who knows what happens after that. Thank you again for listening. I really do appreciate it. Uh, again, that was April Adams, so make sure you check her out uh, all around the interwebs. Thanks. I'll see you out there at the watering hole on the astral plane. Oh, baby. <laughs>